Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. <laughs> What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday, Valentine's Day edition of the show. And uh, Kyle, we've got a, a fantastic guest lined up in Nebraska running back, Divina Zigbo. Welcome to the show, sir. Yeah, first and foremost, really excited for Divine. Second, and, second of all, how was my intro yesterday without you on the show? It was the best growl. You know what? It was the best growl I've ever heard from you on that guy. So uh, you still because still it trying. came out and it just felt right. Oh, you, you killed it! You the only gripe that I'll have is it's a little bit. It, you you feel a little bit forced to have like that Adazio Northeastern part of it. So I real what I yeah. just need for for the future for you to just continue to grow and expand is is give me the Kyle Krabs regular voice, but give me the same growl. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll work on it. I'll I know work you on will. It in the bathroom mirror. Yeah, <laughs> this is how I operate. I'm in the car, driving to the gym. Guess what I'm doing? Practicing my voices yeah. for the show. And sometimes we're blessed. We're blessed sometimes with them. Yeah. Well, we are also blessed today, Joe, because as you mentioned, we have a guest. And this is one of my favorite. I said to you in the pre show, this dude might end up being a top 10 running back for me. This was not a dude that was on a lot of people's radar at the beginning of the season. I mean, shoot, Joe, I had big 10 assignment for the draft network and I found him in like November. I'm like, wait, (laughs) this guy's good. I don't have notes on this guy. Uh, Nebraska running back divine is Igbo. So without further ado, we want to get divine in and out, get him on his day. Uh, This draft process is crazy. So we're going to go ahead and rope in divine now. Nebraska running back Divine Azigbo. Uh, Divine, thank you so much for carving some time out of your day. I know this pre-draft process stuff is a little bit of a whirlwind. You guys are getting pulled each way. Uh, how are things going? How's your training? How's the body feel? Uh, yeah, happy to be here. And yeah, things are going well. I'm enjoying it. And my body feels good. You know, uh, you know the guys out here, XP, Tony, and you know the, you know, the weight guy, Drew, he's definitely a uh, yeah, they're definitely getting our bodies right. I think, yeah, I think, I think this group's gonna have a good performance this year. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, Divine, but uh, there's there's a subsection of social media that calls themselves Draft Twitter, and you are one of like the cult heroes this year. There are a <laughs> bunch of guys that turned on your tape, and I think part of it's because you were a guy that came into your senior season and you didn't have a lot of fanfare, a lot of press about you. Uh, can you talk a little bit? about the impact that coach frost and his staff made on you going into your senior season and what seemed to to click for you because you know for all for all impressions that i've had you've had you you had a great opportunity to get in the best shape of your playing career and it really showed itself on the football field yeah uh i'll definitely say uh coach frost he definitely brought in the staff both you know coaching and a weight room that definitely changed nebraska as a program you know even in year one 
and I like I definitely like our record didn't show uh, our record does not show like how much improvement this team has made. But yeah, like you know, he just brought a bunch. He brought a bunch of guys in that you know that that were able to connect with the players just like in a way that we haven't seen. You know, just just being able to let let, let us play free and play comfortable. It wasn't like you know if you didn't feel like we were walking on thin ice. It didn't feel like you know what I'm saying like you weren't. You weren't in a constant like un like a constant unknown. You know, with these guys, they're straight up, they're honest. Like they were gonna play the best guys. You come in here, you work. If you work hundred percent, you mess up. We can coach that. And a lot of coaches said that, but it felt like these guys like truly meant it because guys, you know, you could see them just getting better at full speed. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't much of a learning curve. It's just you know getting a technical side, get like learning what exactly what to do. And then you know, it just kind of built an environment where the players felt comfortable and you know. It definitely showed with great results. A lot of players definitely stepped up, especially guys that were even on the team in like past years, you know, just had made huge leaps and bounds going into the season. So did you, could you tell pretty early on as far as the offseason training that there was a different vibe about this? Could you feel that kind of shift in culture fairly soon once those guys got in the building? Oh, yes, sir, definitely. Like, like you know, guys were excited. The whole state kind of felt, like, re-energized because, you know, Coach Frost, you know, you know, a homegrown Husker, he's one of the guys that everybody was just, you know, they knew about. He was basically like a folk legend, you know, to the kids growing up. So, like, you know, the whole state was energy. Like, the building was different. The vibe, you know, the vibe switched over pretty fast. Now, how about for you personally? At what point in the season did you realize – that you kind of turned the corner as a football player, or did you feel that you were always close and it just didn't get a chance to materialize itself on the field? I, I, it was kind of like it's kind of a, like a mixture of both. I felt like I always knew like I could do it, but I still had to kind of prove to myself I could do it because I haven't, you know, had all the opportunities or like the chances to. So it was a little mixture, you know, just trying to, just trying to get an opportunity to go out there and you know prove to myself and prove to everybody else, you know, like this is like who I am. I, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a good fall player, and I want to go out there and show it. Sure, and it kind of happened early. Like with the coaches, it, it definitely gave us opportunity, and you know, things just kind of worked out. Now, when I watched your film, I, I got around to watching your tape because I was watching uh, Stanley Morgan, the yeah. uh, the w- yeah. wide receiver that you guys have, very good wide receiver, and yeah. uh, you you kept flashing at me on film, and I was I, I eventually had to stop mid film session for Stanley, and I was like, all right, I got to look this guy out. Like, who is this guy? This is a big dude. One of my favorite things that you do is as you're pressing the line of scrimmage, you make really nice lateral cuts. You've got really smooth feet for a guy that is your height and weight. How much of that for you is reads that you're making as you're in the mesh point, And how much of that is just kind of the natural instinct of being a ball carrier? Uh, I definitely think, um, I definitely think it's a good balance of both. Definitely one thing that I think I personally improved on this season was my, uh, my patience in my press, just being able like not to hit it. Like I, I figured out a tempo that felt comfortable, for, uh, comfortable for me to when I like in between the mesh point and approaching the line to where I could make all my cuts, you know, as fast and as strong as I needed to. And it gave me, you know, the variety to be able to like vary the type of cut I made. Cause there, there was a point like early in my career where I kind of just had like one cut and it was like when it, especially when it came to my lateral, it was just, it was extremely wide. It was like, whether it worked or not, it was very wide. Like I couldn't, you know, gauge it what I needed to. So definitely figuring out that, like that shorter approach and understanding the blocking schemes a little better. Uh, it, it allowed me to be able to use a appropriate cut at appropriate times. 
Now, that's something that I think a lot of casual fans might get lost on, talking about the varying types of cuts. Uh, can you extrapolate on what you feel is important for setting up a defender at the line of scrimmage? Because there were a lot of times you were coming into the hole and you were <clears> head <throat> up with a guy, and then you showed that ability to either create that false step or slide and, and displace yourself laterally out of the gap that that ball carrier is coming in through head on. So how much of that is footwork? How much of that is muscle memory? And then how much of that is really just processing that information as you're working through that pacing that you were just talking about transitioning out of the mesh into the line? Uh, I would honestly definitely credit a little, like a good amount of that, uh, you know, the running back coach, coach held. He was, this is the first year that, that like that type of game was being coached to the players. Cause usually when I've, you know, when I like when if something like that were to happen naturally with other people, they'd be like it, it could look like dancing. But Coach Held was talking about, you know, putting guys in jail. It's like, although there's a hole right there, the backer's gonna feel it, you know, like that's obviously now like even though that's the hole and it's right in front of you, you don't wanna get there. So when you get in, when you get in, you wanna press it so you can, you know, suck the backer up and put him in jail. And then you have a two way go because if if he's uh, in between two guys, you can bounce to your left or to your right, depending on where uh where like the next available hole is. So you just kind of have to know and know, understand the blocking scheme kind of helps. And then just, you know, get reps of that practice. You know, we had a backer, Muhammad Barry, and I felt like he personally got, he personally honed that skill in me because Muhammad, he's the guy that loves to shoot gaps and he's, he's a, like explosive backer. So being able to work against that, like if I'm going slow, he's shooting like the open hole. It allowed me to be able to, you know, get my timing right to where I can make the cut either way and be able to read the next one in that short amount of time he allowed. So I'll definitely credit that to Coach Hells, you know, going against Mo for so long. I think when I reviewed your entire tape, one of the things that impressed me as well was that you weren't just a grinder. You created some explosive plays. And I really like the visualization that you had referenced from Coach Held about putting guys in jail and getting that linebacker to suck up and getting him in that one-on-one with that two-way go. When you realize in any given play that you've got that guy set up and you have that two way go. What's that moment like for you when, when it hits you that I'm right on the cusp of a really big play because it almost seems like in a football stadium, as that materializes, everybody's holding their breath. Is that something for you that, that, that you find the, the thrill in that of getting that guy one-on-one and you're, you're looking forward to making a miss. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things that it's like uh it's like being wide open 50 yards away and a quarterback throws you the ball and you're just like, all right, like, don't drop it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so like you're kind of running and you know, like, all right, like you got to be a little bit patient because you don't want to make the move too fast because he might not be up far enough. So you got to be able to like, just be patient, be patient. And as soon as he's trapped, boom, just explode in the direction and just try to get. And then I always told myself, like, I'm not like, I never really had opportunities to break like the way I had this year. So even even my my speed was a question to me. So I was just running not to get caught. So I was just I would wait, 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 break, and then just take off. They just don't get caught, and then you know good things worked out this year, especially with the blocking downfield, some of the receivers. You know everything was going well. Well, listen, I was at the Shrine game and I was standing on the sideline when you broke off one of your big runs in practice, and I can tell you, I do not envy any defensive back that has you coming through the second level with a full head of steam because you can move and you are a big dude. So uh, I guess my question for you is you, you look at your film, right? You've 
You put all the production on the field. You had a great season. And I love the fact that even now you're, you're talking with me and you're not overlooking the people that helped you get in this position. You talked about Coach Held. You talked about Coach Frost. You talked about your teammates, your receivers blocking down the field. But for you as a back and as a football player, what's an underrated quality for yourself that you think anyone that would consider drafting you should know about you before they drafted you? I, I love, uh, I guess I, it kind of be two things. One thing I love, like the, the schematic, I love learning this, like the schematic part of the blocking scheme. Like, I, just, I think it's a game within football, you know, like, all right, the O line has these couple guys, and that means I have those, like those two, or those two, and then, you know, everybody else, or, you know, in this play, this pass protection. Like, I just like that puzzle that, you know, uh, pass pro provides. And then I guess the second part is I just I, – I, I love catching the ball. Like I was – like in my high – it kind of started in high school. We had a very pass-heavy offense. And running back routes, you know, are definitely, you know, something I needed to master. But I would always go out there at, like when the receivers would go throw extra, like, you know, the weekends like that. And, you know, swings and check downs get kind of boring. So, you know, I'd always go out there and I would just see what the receivers doing to hop in line and get my, get my reps, and even at Nebraska – so like running routes and catching the ball was something like I actively enjoy doing, and you know it's something I think I could bring if uh, you know if, if if the team allows me to do it. It's something I think I can bring, you know, make it a, like a bigger part of my game. So I, I do have two more questions for you. Just kind of pulling off things that you said there because I really liked a couple of things that you said. You talked about the puzzle of blocking and the communications, and I think people think about running backs and they don't realize so much of the transition to the NFL is having a three-down skill set. And a lot of that comes from the two things that you mentioned, being able to contribute in the pass game as both a receiver and a pass blocker. But if, you, if we expand that to rushing concepts as far as running the football, do you have a favorite concept or a concept <clears throat> for a type of run that you felt like you had a lot of success with either because you felt like you mentally mastered it and, and everybody on the, the front was on the same page as you or just a play that you love to run? Uh, I love like uh, tackle traps or like guard traps. Like when it's just like me, the whole line's going one way, me and the guard are going the other, me and the tackle are going the other way. Those are like those are plays that I think are really fun because, especially the way linebackers read the whole line, like they're going to, you know, follow the flow of the majority. So if you can get them to all get caught in the flow and then you have one guy going back with you, there's going to be like a natural divide in the defense. And if you can, you know, like set it up, time it up right, give them a little outside stick. There should be like a wide gap in the middle. I think those are the most fun plays because then it's like you and one of your, you and one of your, you know, your hogs and you just got to get going. You almost have that like aha moment with him where that, that defender stepping down and he thinks he's got you clear. And then a guy's ear, you're holding him and you just kind of laugh as yeah. you run by out of nowhere. And, and our whole linemen love those plays. So, so, so they love running hard too for us. And I guess my, my last question is you talked about, you love catching the football. You ever give Adrian a hard time? Because it seemed like you were open in the checkdowns quite a bit, and Adrian did like <laughs> throwing the checkdowns. You ever give him a hard time about it? Uh, no, like, yeah, like as a running back, you know, you always you always joke with your quarterback. Yeah, checkdowns always open. But, you know, Adrian made a lot of good decisions this year. We had a lot of receivers that were, you know, doing big things. So it didn't really, uh, you know, me being open didn't really, uh, didn't really hold our offense back. So I was, I, I was happy with how it worked out and how it, uh, and how it happened. So, but yeah, you know, I, I always love a couple more balls. 
Listen, man, we really appreciate it. Uh, once again, I'd like to, you to, to give a shout out to your training team as they're getting you ready for your pro day. And uh, just make sure you give those guys some love as we wrap you up and let you go here. Yes, sir. You know, I want to appreciate the boys, you know, uh, Tony Vellani, Drew, and uh, Bill at XPE and Boca Raton, you know, for getting us right. I think we got a really good class this year. A bunch, a bunch of guys are going to surprise some people. Now, Divine, no pressure to you, but the last running back that we had on Draft Dudes was Alvin Kamara a couple years ago. <laughs> so we're expecting big things from you next year. I'm just saying. Hey, I'm, I'm going to do my best to live up to the expectations. Nebraska running back Divine Zigbo, thank you so much for carving some time out. All the best to you the rest of the way, and we're looking forward to seeing what you do in the pros, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Joe. Kyle. Unbridled x's and o's talk with nfl draft prospects i love it yes yes i think man just just listening to that it it really i grew a greater appreciation for the nuances of playing running back you know i think sometimes we can we can watch these running backs and just think they're given a football and they need to find some space and they need to run over some dudes but when he started getting into stuff talking about how he was really uh, challenge to alter his tempo and his pace between the mesh and pressing the line of scrimmage and uh, really altering his strides because he was getting too wide in the pass and he shortened that up and it allowed for some flexibility and what he was doing to try to put a put a linebacker in jail. I mean, there is a lot of nuance just between that short distance of receiving the football and getting to the line of scrimmage that you know, Divine really articulated well, and, and I grew a deeper appreciation for how nuanced playing the position is. Right, and that's something that I had mentioned in my notes for Divine was that he didn't overextend himself at any point. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is there were there were no points on film. So to consider that was what he felt was one of his biggest areas of growth from last year and him not being on my radar last year. So I watched like a game just to get a vibe of him but then I watched like six games of 2018 <laughs> and in the notes, it's like this dude never overextends his feet. He always runs in proportion to what he's able to control his body in. So yeah. it was really cool to see that and hear that come from him to be like, yeah, that's something I did a lot better job of because if you just turned on the 2018 tape and you didn't go back and watch anything, like you'd think it was his best trait. Well, that would, that was a huge area of focus. And that's a, a, an attribute to the coaching staff that they have there as well. Yeah, and, and I mean, he did explode onto the scene this year, uh, and a lot of things went into that. But kind of being able to extrapolate that, that one thing there as, as a major growth area and, and something that you picked up from watching him in previous years and then, of course, comparing the 2018 tape uh, really, really shined through. Uh, Kyle, I loved that uh, he, you could just tell that he's becoming a more confident football player. You know, I mean, obviously the, the the coaching staff changes really impacted that, but how much he talked about even him proving to himself his speed and him growing in terms of understanding the nuances of the scheme and how that all put to, worked together for him to have a really outstanding final season in Nebraska and, and, and the reason we're having him on this podcast and talking about him as a prospect. Well, how about the fact that, you know, he they ran a lot of zone concepts at Nebraska. And then you ask him what his favorite concept is, yeah. and it's a power concept. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the off-tackle trap. And I think that's really cool because he has the kind of physical skills, and then you listen to him talk and you realize he has the mental acumen and the attention mm-hmm. to detail that I think 
he is scheme diverse. He's not necessarily going to be the most effective outside zone player, right? That's not really his style of game. But if you get him an inside zone or you get him in gap power, I feel really confident about him in either one of those traits. So it was cool to think about what Nebraska ran so much of and then consider what his favorite trait or what his favorite concept was up front. Yeah, and then for him to discuss like how much he loved learning the scheme and understanding what everybody's supposed to do and kind of called it everything a puzzle and, and putting that together, I think that's really going to resonate with NFL decision makers. Like Clearly, this is a guy that loves football, that really embraces the X and his, X's and O's side of it, a guy that's grown a lot and ascended and peaked as as in his final year in college, like all of that stuff's really going to matter to NFL decision makers. And it seems like this is a guy you definitely would feel comfortable with bringing into your facility. Oh, and by the way, you mentioned he grew a lot as a player. This is also a player that has 419 carries at the college level. Mm-hmm. Low mileage. Love that. 468 total touches of the football. He talked about how he liked getting involved in the passing game. I believe he had 23 catches last year as a senior. Had 49 for his career. So less than 500 total touches. Low mileage. You know, that that is another notch in the belt. And then Joe just physically, right? We saw him at the Shrine game. Yeah, yeah. He looks like an NFL running back. The way he carries his weight, he's very well put together. He's got a lot of his mass below his waist, which is going to generate a lot of leg power and a lot of drive when he's in high traffic areas. I don't know, man. He checks a lot of boxes for me. Like I said, this is probably going to end up being a top 10 back for me in this year's class. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I want to stack them all up and make sure I put in all the work, but I, I don't think that's, uh, too hot. Yeah. No, I really don't. I really don't. I think as people get a chance to learn more about him, uh, and study his tape and you're going to see a player that you feel really comfortable playing in the NFL. And, and we talk about the value at the running back position and where, you know, we're all these different places that teams are getting productive backs. Like, Zigbo really profiles as a guy that you feel like can be that type of value running back and, and wind up being really productive for his offense. So you never knew who we're going to get next. You guys might as well hit subscribe on the podcast. Come on back and find out. What do you think? Oh, yeah, do it. Uh, you put him on the spot, Kyle, with the Alvin Kamara thing, man. I'll tell you. Yeah, you know, I wrote it down and then I was like, <laughs> nah, I'm not going to say that. And I deleted it. And then like we got to the end of the interview and like, you could tell he was really engaged in it and he was very comfortable as far as, you know, just I think a lot of times players get asked, I don't want to say fluffy questions, right? But it's like they're not asked, like, tell us about your technique. Tell us what you learned. Yeah. Like it's, we try and take it from more of a scouting approach. And as a guy that loves football so much, I think that really shined through in in his demeanor and how he carried himself in the interview. So uh, thank you so much to Divine and uh, – we, we expect big things from Divine and Zigbo, as I said, as we let him off here. I'm Kyle Krabs at Grinding the Tape with Joe Marino at the Joe Marino. Come on back for tomorrow for the, another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.